Welcome to Oh! A Podcast, the podcast about playing games and making games. Brought to you by Oarock Studios. I'm Paul Franzen, the head boy of Oarock. And I'm Michael Gray, the head writer of Oarock. Oh, you went back to the boring one! Um, for a writer, I'm not very creative and could not think of a good uh, <laughs> one-liner off the top of my head. That's fair. Okay, head writer it is. How's it going, Michael? I'm going to have to storyboard that with all the other writers. We'll get back to you in a few hours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't have any other writers, I'm sorry to say. Aww. <laughs> it's a very... The, the, the all-hands meetings at O-Rock Studios HQ are, are pretty lonely affairs. So how you doing? What's new? Um. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm now I'm remembering. I, I've got video game stuff to talk about. Do you have video game oh, stuff please. to talk about? Oh, well, I always got video game stuff to talk about. Oh yeah. But uh, let's hear what you got. Oh well, I was just going to say, or oh, never mind. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I. I'm completely forgetting how much I was going to say about how much I said last time about the kidnap prom queen. So uh, what I did was I tried to split up the game into three different pathways, you know, three distinct pathways, depending on who the prom queen right. is, because I'm doing it for choice of games. And apparently they like the choose your own adventure style where you have multiple options as opposed to the more kinetic style, I, I believe is the term of mm-hmm. uh you know, the pizza delivery boy who saved the world, where occasionally get to make choices, but the same story happens no matter what. Right, right, right. Yeah, but apparently choice of games or, or hosted games or whoever, they people apparently frown upon that. They they, they don't they like their open ended world games. So um that's part of the reason why I'm having so many uh, like distinct pathways. And that's why I did things like um you know, you can choose the gender of your character, which seemed like a really cool idea at the time. And then just ended up being a ton of work. Um, but, so I thought that this would be like a 30,000 um, word game. That's what I was aiming for, because they won't publish your game unless it's more than 30,000 words. So, sure, there's that's a very good reason to have that as the goal for how long your game must be. But, um, so I figured, hey, it's a three-pathway game. Each pathway will be 10,000 words. So, um... Guess how long pathway number one was? I'm going to guess at least 30,000 words. <laughs> You're correct. It's like 45,000 words. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. <laughs> this game's going to be huge. Yep, 45,245 <laughs> words. <laughs> I was afraid I was going too high and I was going to mess up your joke. <laughs> no, no. So wow. that's why it took me way longer to write than I expected. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea I had that many options. It's just a 10-chapter game. <laughs> well, that means it's going to be at least three times as long as you projected, right? So that means you can, uh, what, you can you can charge three times as much. Oh, hey, that's nice. I think they get to decide yeah. what the price point is. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Dollar per word. One dollar per word, yes. Yes. I'm yes. rich. You only need one person to buy a copy if it's uh, ninety ninety thousand dollars. 
That's that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I also did the thing where um, I think oh I played Pizza Delivery Boy um, Sunday actually I I did a live stream of the the Pizza Delivery Boy who saved the world. Uh, Victoria was there. Um, she plays plays Finley, and then Samantha was there, and she plays um, wife character who who's always fighting with her husband. Didn't uh, uh, didn't feel the need to inform Pizza Thief about this, huh? Did not feel the need. I I am not. <laughs> <laughs> how did the uh, live stream go? It went pretty well. I was kind of surprised um, about uh, some of the stuff I'd forgotten uh, about the game. Apparently, I like quoted Disney movies three times in chapter five. So <laughs> um, that's the the one in which Doug gets fired. So um, we quote Mulan twice and then um, the Lion King, but the script actually points out that it's a, a quote from the Lion King. Mr. Ami misquotes the Lion King and Doug complains right. about it, but um, Doug quotes um, Mulan in, uh, when he gives the weird pizza to uh, the customer. He goes, oh, it's a smiley face and it's happy to see you. And that's that's a quote from Milan. And then later on, it is. I didn't know that. I thought it was just a weird line. No, oh, that's no, funny. that's that's. I a didn't line. know that was a reference. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> it's a reference to Milan. She, uh, um, he makes like a smiley face in her food and her breakfast, and says, "Oh, <laughs> I made you breakfast, and it's happy to see you." <laughs> Man, apparently it's time for me to watch Mulan again. And then later on in the um chapter. <laughs> Uh, later on in the chapter, um, Finley says, you know, for what it's worth, I think you're a great pizza delivery guy. And that's what Mulan says at, um, I forget what her love interest name is, and he's not going to be in the live action version, so who cares? <laughs> but she says, for what it's worth, I think you're a great captain. I really have to watch Mulan again. I didn't catch either of those. Oh, I'm disappointed in myself. It it was a surprise to me. I'm like, why on earth did I quote Mulan twice? <laughs> Did I watch it the day I wrote that scene? <laughs> well, that's funny. I know um, for Cat President 2, we briefly, I think we talked about having an achievement for finding all the Disney references or something like that. Yeah. I might need your help in finding them in the script so I know which ones to count toward the total. Because there there might be some in there that I don't know about. Oh, man. I like quote the Black Cauldron left and right. Do you? Do you? No, no. <laughs> okay, good. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any idea. I've never seen the Black Cauldron. Um, the book series is amazing. Yeah, but um, part of the problem with the movie is that it's it's based on the second book of the series. So, like, try to imagine if they did here do it with Harry Potter or any other fantasy series, where it's like, well, now we've got to kind of scrunch the first and second book together. And so some characters have to be cut out, and then some characters have to take different rules. It's just it's just a huge mess, and that's part of the problem. Yeah, there's a there's like a really old school Black Cauldron adventure game too. I remember reading about. Yeah, I've meant to play it. I wonder if it's yeah based on the movie or on the on on the book. It's based um, on the movie. I'm pretty sure it's based on the movie. And yeah, it's by it's by Sierra, and it's designed by Al Lowe, the guy who's much more famous for creating Leisure Suit Larry. Well, if there's a prince in there, then yes, it's actually based on the book, so that's the easy <laughs> way to tell. Uh, you play as an assistant pig keeper, it says. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the main character in the books and the movies, yeah. so. 
Yeah, yeah. it was around. Oh, and they made a Dark Crystal game too. Okay, this is just me reading the Sierra Wikipedia page now. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but and part of the problem is um, they they completely destroyed the princess's personality. I guess you would say you know like the modern Disney princesses are I guess a bit more edgier. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why I love Princess Ilanwi in the books is because she she's really hilarious when she insults Terran because he's an assistant pig keeper. <laughs> um, and she just makes so many hilarious jokes. But they got rid of that for the movie, and I guess it, I guess it was like too feminist or forward thinking for Disney oh. at the time. But it's like these are books that came out in the sixties. Yeah, that's wild. I wonder if they were trying to bring the character more in line with other Disney princesses of of the era. Yeah. Because I do remember um, that uh, The Little Mermaid, that was also 1980s Disney, right? So that would have been a couple of years after um, The Black Cauldron. But at the time, everybody was blown away. They said it was a great feminist revision because there's a scene where Ariel saves Prince Eric and they're like, ooh, the princess saves the prince. Whoa. It's it's a reversal, just like they said about Frozen 2. It's like, whoa, this is a total reversal on the Disney formula. But then... I don't know, I've heard people nowadays go back and look at The Little Mermaid, and they're like, no, that's not very feminist or forward-thinking. She still, like, gives up her voice to try to meet the guy and such. Yeah. Well, I always thought it would be interesting is, uh, just with those old fairy tales with Disney, um, like, they invent characters or change characters. I'm doing a bad job of explaining this, but, you know, I've never mm-hmm. read The Little Mermaid, but I'm told, like, the sea witch is just a total nothing character. And in the movie, obviously, she's, like, the main villain. And then I'm willing to bet with Beauty and the Beast it's the same way. I bet, like, there's no one particular um, villager called Gaston who wants to marry Belle. I don't think that's, like, part of the mythos. I think that was just made up by Disney. I was just wondering how that process worked, I wonder. It, it feels like they just added characters or tried to figure out, okay, who can we make a villain? What what kind of characters do they add to these old old tales? I always thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of their, their fairy tale adaptations like really have not a lot to do with the original source material. I mean, especially think of Frozen based on the Ice Queen, right? Aren't they basically two different things? Yeah, they have very little in common. And I and I think too a lot of it is that they have to flesh these stories out over the course of a two hour movie. You know, they're they're turning a like five page fairy tale or whatever, ten minute fairy tale into a two hour movie. Yeah, so that's definitely they, there's, the case. There's bound to be a lot of stuff they ha- they have to add to it and, and adjust. Um, with Frozen, well, the Snow Queen is actually one of these these really long fairy tales. It's like, oh, really? It's like fifty, sixty pages rather than like five pages, but. You can totally see that's the case with, you know, Cinderella or even Sleeping Beauty or such. That's also been a problem with um, Cinderella because there are like a hundred different versions of Cinderella. Every every like yeah. country and culture has their own variation on it. It's just one of those tales that speaks to the human psyche, I suppose. Same with Sleeping Beauty in a, in a minor sense, I guess. Lizzo and I actually uh, fairly recently watched uh, both Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella. It was like, I, I haven't seen these movies since I was a kid. I couldn't believe like how, like the animation still looks pretty good. Like these movies are almost a hundred years old, aren't they? Uh, 1950, 1960. Yeah. Okay. Pretty, pretty old. I know the story behind uh, the Sleeping Beauty. The reason the animation looks so good is because he had like, 
they had live actors act out every single scene, and then they did the Snow animation. White and the Seven Dwarves came out in 1937. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was going to say, they, they just animated yeah. over... Um, the the frames of live action that's why the animation is super smooth and super realistic and sleeping beauty is because you know they were literally drawing it over people who were making all the hand movements and such that that's incredible i mean that's like that's what graphic design is in uh 3d games like now isn't it right it's all motion capture and drawing on top of the motion capture it's it's incredible that that they were doing that that long ago to a in a different style but yeah, I wonder how many of his games. I mean, how many of the movies they did that? Yeah, I it's I don't know. I I was just very impressed. Anyway, we've gotten a little off topic. How was the stream? Did people like the game? Yeah, about fifty <laughs> people came to watch. They thought it was a great game. Oh, nice. That's good to hear. I'm glad people enjoyed it. I I know uh, you found a couple typos that I'm gonna have to clean up. Oh my gosh, one <laughs> doesn't not... really matter. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, gu- I guess I could talk about that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have the weird action or status command, whatever you call it. Uh, uh, whenever there's a pizza order, it's status. There's like various statuses, and one's nmod, and one's updis, and one's trdbv. But uh, mm. in the game, it's trdbc. Oh my gosh, so oh, that's a typo. No. Oh, I ruined the game. You ruined I'm the sorry. game with the IRDS <laughs> TRDBV. I don't even know what TRDBV does anymore. Uh, so, have have I talked before about how I made the art for those those screens? Do you remember? Um, no. So this might this might help go to explain why this might be a, a challenge, a much more challenging fix. So, I I wanted to make the old-fashioned computer screen look as authentic as possible, so I didn't want to just make something in Photoshop. Uh, I created the the background in, I believe it was MS Paint, and then I used a USB floppy disk adapter. I saved the file onto an actual floppy disk and loaded it on my 1993-whatever uh, Gateway 2000 computer that's running Windows 95. With a giant bulky CRT monitor, I loaded it on the old CRT monitor, and I took a picture of that, and then put it back into the game. Oh no! Is there another V anywhere a... on any of those screens that we could just? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's Photoshop that's sort of what I'm it, thinking. Maybe. I'll just I'll, I'll I'll tinker around in Photoshop and see if I can do it that way rather than uh, start over from scratch because it it was a bit of a process. It was an unnecessarily complicated process, but but I thought that would be, that would be a fun way to do it. I'm always I'm always looking for an excuse to use my Gateway 2000. So TRDBV, I'm reading here, it's a command code um, that's used by the IRS mainframe system to gain read-only access to tax return data. So basically, it'd give you a line-by-line line of what the tax return is. It'd say line one is $20, and then line two is $3. I think that's it. I yeah. could be wrong. Oh no, and that's also got the refund anticipation loan code too. Ugh. And the status. Mm. Seems like a very useful command code. Anyway, the only reason I remember it is because people would argue over how you pronounce that command code, TRDBV or TurdBiv. So <laughs> I like calling it TurdBiv, but whenever the bosses yes. are around, I'd call it TRDBV. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, it's it's on my list. I have um, I have a, I have several small fixes that I need to push through at some point. So maybe in the next month or two, I'll be making an actual patch, which I don't I don't know if I've even done one for this game yet. So I guess it's due. But there was a there was a second typo right in one of the videos. Yes, it was in the second to last chapter, not the epilogue, but like the last chapter. That's not the epilogue, so I guess it's the second to last chapter. Yeah, it's the one with the really long title, anyway. <laughs> that chapter. And also, there is no L in the word also. Uh, okay, that's a bad one. Yeah, I read it I read it out loud, and, and I read it correctly, but um, somebody in the chat's like, hey, there's no L in the word. Uh. And so I went back and checked, and I'm like, yes, you are correct. Why did they have to point it out? See, yeah, bo- both of the typos you found are, are not easy ones to fix. I would have preferred if you found easy typos to fix. Because this is the one, I, I, I think you and I talked about it, I forget if it was on the podcast, but those videos I made using a piece of video software on my old computer mm-hmm. <laughs> that is not on my current computer. Uh, so it might be a challenge to fix, but it's a big enough typo that I should probably figure out a way to do it. Yeah, so I imagine that this um, playthrough I made will be popular whenever I post it. I actually was cosplaying Future Doug. Because I I, ha- oh, I have a beard, so um, that was basically my idea. Was hey, I'll, <laughs> I, I shaved the beard, um, so I knew I was going to shave my beard. So it's like, well, I've got to cosplay. I've got to play this game while I can cosplay as Super uh, as Future Doug. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I missed it. I'm so sad. Oh well, at least I'll get to watch the video on YouTube later. Yeah, I'll post the videos eventually. I don't know when. The other video game thing I've done, I think I mentioned this at the end of the last podcast, was like the Encyclopedia Brown style game. So I was trying yeah. to figure out the puzzles for the Kidnap Prom Queen, and that just sort of inspired me to go forward with the Encyclopedia Brown game, because it was kind of hard to figure out what kind of puzzles I would put in a uh, text-based game. So some of the puzzles in the... Um, the Kidnap Prom Queen are kind of like look-up puzzles, if that makes sense, because you've got this stats bar that's in every single one of their games, and I never use that for anything ever. So um, so about a third of the puzzles require you to use the stats button. It's like got a list of presidents, because our character's a high schooler, so the story is that our character's carrying their like notebook from classes. Okay, yeah. And so it's yeah, got yeah. like the list of presidents and the list of Shakespeare plays in order and, and stuff like that. And so like a third of the puzzles are okay, what was Shakespeare's 12th play? I I don't know if that's a good puzzle or not, but nobody's complained about it yet. So Okay. <laughs> it, I I guess it works. And then um I'll have to look up what the other various puzzles were. And the other puzzles were just like um Word puzzles. Word puzzles. So, like, what word comes next in, in this sequence? And then the other one sure. was a, a logic puzzle. That was the only type I could think of. So they're not, like, like short little mysteries, right? Isn't that what... Sort of, actually, no. Am I thinking of Encyclopedia Brown? Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Encyclopedia Brown, well, I guess I'm yeah, just those were like... two-minute mysteries in general. Yeah, two-minute <laughs> mysteries and Encyclopedia Brown are basically the same thing, seeing as, you know, they were written by the same guy. Encyclopedia Brown's... They're much longer, I guess. That's what I'm trying to remember. Where, yeah, the Encyclopedia Brown ones, like, there was, like, 
I mean, it wasn't a long book, but the whole book was the one mystery, right? The whole book was ten mysteries, so it's it's just ten. Oh, it's ten mysteries. Yeah, okay. ten short mysteries. Each one's like five pages, yeah. or five to ten pages, whereas two-minute mysteries, uh, that apparently was like a newspaper column. That's how it got to start, was um, oh, cool. he had to write a 300-word mystery all the time, and he had to do that every week, and so he just decided, you know what, I'm just doing this into a kid's book, um, so... He wrote the first book in a week. He probably just adapted from previous mysteries he had done, and he submitted it off to a publisher, and it was a pretty big hit, I guess. Yeah, so that's that's what I was thinking. Uh, Encyclopedia Brown was going to be like, like you read the text for a mystery, and then you you try to like say who the culprit is or whatever, like either from a list of options or maybe even you type in the answer. But it sounds like it sounds like it's more just sort of individual puzzles and like trivia questions and stuff like that. Um, so I'm saying, yeah, so, I mean, when I was working with the Kidnap Prom Queen trying to figure out puzzles, yeah. I noticed a lot of them were, like, those Encyclopedia Brown-style puzzles like that. Okay. So I figured to see if it was possible to make a game interface like that, or, or make a game like that, like Encyclopedia Brown or Two Minute Mysteries, where, um, you know, you just read, like, a 300-word story, and then you get to choose the answer, like what's the thing that's wrong in this photograph or uh, who right, okay. is the roommate. And I think uh, the first one, you know, she says what classes she's taking. She's like, Oh man, well, she couldn't get into the Darwin class, but she got into the Einstein class just fine. And the Newton class. And then you're supposed to deduce, well, what subject is she studying? She's not studying English. She's studying science because all her classes sure, are about scientists. Course. So that was a pretty easy example. So, um, I did, I basically did a thing like that because I already had some of those short mysteries like written out because, um, I think I did that on my vacation, um, this year was, um, I was trying to think of an idea of doing an Encyclopedia Brown style game in Ren P. So I had like those four mysteries already written out. So I just tried to figure mm -hmm. out a way to get it to work into the text only format. And, um, you know, I posted it in the Choice of Games forum saying, is this a project anybody likes? Is this at all a good idea? And um, people got back to me. You've got some people who seem pretty enthusiastic about it. So I'm going to try to move ahead with that um, cool project. And so it's, it's interesting. I got like six, five to six people as testers. I forget how many off the top of my head. But... Um, I, I just went to them and just took all the feedback and completely reprogrammed the uh, interface. So um, it was the idea that you came up with, just totally, I had not thought of this, but like choose the correct answer from a list. Um, I thought oh, cool. it would be you just type in the answer yourself for every single puzzle, but um, you know some people wanted to choose the answer from a list, and then some people wanted... Uh, Hints, actually. So you could you can get like two hints per puzzle and, and difficulty levels is what they wanted to. So um, that's why I did this past weekend was I completely reprogrammed the game. And so I've got this new interface and um, I'm getting more feedback from them. And I'm going to, you know, make more minor tweaks to the to the interface. And then and then the game will be ready to go. It's kind of amazing that. <laughs> You know, each thing is like 800 to 900 words for just a 300-word puzzle. Because there's just so many things I need to keep track of in terms of... It's like, okay, well, um, does this person have 
hints left that they want to look up. Is this person typing in the answer, or are they selecting the answer from a list? How many items are on the list? Is the person solving the puzzle a second time? That sort of thing. Oh, so, so the player can, can choose whether they want multiple choice or type in the answer. Yeah, I decided to make that an option. I thought oh, that would I be like cool. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's really, that's really user-friendly. I like that a lot. Yeah, and then I, I figured, cool. wait a minute, well, I couldn't determine the difference between like hard, easy, and medium mode. I couldn't quite figure out what the, the best way to do it is, so I also added a, a third option, which lets you just choose whichever one, choose all the options you want. Oh, wow, nice. You have a maximum of nine tries, because I didn't feel like programming. I don't know why. I guess it's not at all harder to program, but I forced a player to pick pick nine. Nine is the maximum number of tries you get. If you um, get too many wrong answers, the game just says, you lose. Um, sorry. <laughs> well, clearly, the, the, uh, the detective is a detective cat, and those are the nine lives that the character has. That'll work. That'll work. Yeah. I have yeah. no idea what the detective character is going to be. I know like they were called Andy and Sandy in the... Um... <laughs> that's right, Almanac Andy. Yeah, I know that's what they were called in that uh, the um, the version I sent out to testers, but I could totally change it. Now I need to think of the story and who the, the characters are. I guess that's the reason why they didn't ever do that in Two Minute Mysteries. It's like, he's just Dr. Hajalfin, and people ask him to solve murder mysteries, and that's it. He has no personality. Or backstory. I wish, I wish so much that you could call it Wikipedia Brown. That would <laughs> I have wish that so hard. There's absolutely no way you can get away with that, but that would be so, so good. Uh, this sounds like it's coming together really well. It sounds like it's going to be a good project. It That's is, how, yeah. yeah. So I actually, yeah, part of what I did was, like I said, I was just, I was working on the kidnap prom queen and the the idea of how many, what the puzzle should be like just sort of blossomed into this own project. And to be honest, it's a lot easier to write. <laughs> it's going to be a lot easier just to write 50, 300 word puzzles as opposed to however long the prom queen game is going to be if it's 45. <laughs> Three 50,000 path, uh, word pathways. <laughs> yeah. So it took forever to come up with the, the puzzle ideas, but I figured out different types of puzzles too. So um, logic puzzles, uh, word puzzles, I think I already mentioned, but I also want to do things like Encyclopedia Brown. A lot of the puzzles it's like the solution depends on general knowledge like the puzzle solution is you have to know the sun sets in the west and that's like the contradiction sure. of the story that's how encyclopedia solves the mystery but <laughs> what, what i find more annoying is when we've got solutions that depend on specific knowledge like if you're getting off a horse you always get off on the left hand side like what <laughs> i i didn't know that <laughs> That's right. I've seen you talk about that on Twitter a bunch of um, when you're reviewing the Encyclopedia Brown games, right? It's like, is this something that a, a child could reasonably be expected to know? And and usually it's not, it, it seems to be. Yeah, half the time. Yeah, so what I did with my review is if there was something that I thought people could not reasonably um, know, I would just ask the internet. And I think about half the time people yeah. say, yeah, this is something you could know. And then half the time they're like, no, this is weird, obscure knowledge. In one case, the culprit made, like, marks that were, uh, I think it was five and um, seven-eighths inches wide regularly, and Encyclopedia Brown instantly knows, well, that's how wide a dollar bill is. The culprit must be the person <laughs> okay. who, lo who, has, who loves okay. dollar bills and has a coin collection. <laughs> I'm like, no, nobody knows that. 
I'm forever tormented by this puzzle from the first run runway game, runaway game, uh, runaway a road adventure, where we we had a, a set of dead batteries, and I think we needed them to make our flashlight work. And I thought the obvious solution was okay. Like, let's just go to a store and buy some batteries. Like, why is this a thing? We're not we're not under any time constraints. Let's just go buy some batteries. The answer was you had to put the batteries in the freezer. What? Because putting putting batteries in the freezer, according to the logic of this game, extends their life. So I take it from your reaction, that's not something you would have thought of either. I've never heard uh, of this. <laughs> The the uh, developers uh, must have thought that was common enough knowledge that I don't I don't recall ever finding a hint to this. So they must have figured that everyone everyone knows that you put your batteries in the freezer when they're low on energy. Everyone knows that. Yeah, so that's part of the reason I'm getting testers is um, yes. do they know this is um, common knowledge or not? And so um, yeah, I've gotten some some feedback on that. I think um, that was like the least popular puzzle type was a, a solution that depends on a specific kind of knowledge, something that's not general. Hmm. But um, logic puzzles, uh, people like logic puzzles, they liked word puzzles, and they liked uh, puzzles where like the solution is inside the puzzle itself. But that kind of overlaps with you need to know some information. Well, that's why the... Um... The, the, what, his notebook interface is sort of a good compromise for that too, right? Because you can put information in there that if the player doesn't know it, maybe they can look it up in there. I know, and, and nobody wanted to know, only two people wanted the notebook interface. There were only like... Really? That was, it was like, um, gosh, less than a third of the testers want to have a notebook interface. They don't want to be able to look up information, um... So, oh, <laughs> okay. Not what I would have expected. All right then. Well, that's that's one less thing you have to do, I guess. I know. That's so strange. If nobody likes it. Yeah, yeah, that's why. And then the last puzzle type is riddles. So I, I had no idea how to do riddles, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like riddles are awful. But <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna try to like make the riddles where um, there are some examples. Like, what month is XYZ? So the player is told what specific, that, you know, the answer is a month. I feel like that's a nice compromise. Sure. If that makes sense. So I'm trying that. Um, I went through, I actually found a, an old book of Five Minute Mysteries. I went through a bunch of books that, I didn't go through that many. I went through like two, but, um, I, I briefly perused two books that are sort of in the style of two-minute mysteries that are just short mysteries that you have to read. And um, mm. I went through the American Girls one, and I went through the the one that's uh, from 1930, I believe. It's public domain. I don't know why it's public domain, but it is. And some of the solutions just do not work anymore, if that makes sense. So one is the locks at Yale. They do not have keyholes. It's like, how is anybody supposed to know that? <laughs> and also know that in 1935, that was true. <laughs> I Actually, I guess they probably don't, right? Because it's probably all swipe cards now. Yeah, <laughs> probably is the yeah. case, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me see, what else? Do, 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 do. Orchestras don't play during a talkie. <laughs> that was the contradiction. 
was like, would they actually <laughs> use the word talky in the puzzle solution? <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's so good. All right. What you need to do is make this book set in the 30s and people have to use their knowledge of, of, of cultural information from the 30s to answer these riddles. That's what you have to do. I was thinking of doing this like bonus, bonus puzzles in the game. It's like here are 1930s yeah. puzzle styles. Um, another one. I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. So all the puzzle solutions that just seemed weird or, you know, just, I couldn't use. I just, I just got them written down here. Yeah. Oh, I like the talkies one. That's great. Yeah. And then there's one about prohibition about using alcohol inside an automobile radiator. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then there's one about the watch. Um, I'm actually going to try to adapt this for the game. So spoilers, everybody, but <laughs> no watch is going to run 60 hours without needing to be wound. <laughs> so I, I'm going to change it to his phone was on for two days without needing to be charged. Oh. Perfect. Yeah. I'm like that. That totally works. This is, it's a great solution. Yeah. And then a weird oh, one like is, that. it's yeah. like, it would have been impossible for him to dial a number quickly in the dark, a phone number quickly in the dark. <laughs> it's like, try it. I'm like, that must be from rotary phones, right? That's gotta be it. Yeah. And then here's a weird one. I don't know if this, I'm not using this because I don't know if this is true or not, and I'm trying not to have murder mysteries in my thing, but um, in the original puzzle, somebody was killed and... um. Sorry, they were found dead on a, a merry-go-round, and they were inside one of the seated, the seated thing in the in the merry-go-round. So it wasn't a horse that went upside down. They were just found sitting straight up. And the detective says that's impossible because if the person was shot while they were there, their body would have slumped down thanks to the movement of the merry-go-round. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know if that's true or not, hmm. and I'm not going to test it out. I don't know how you would test it out. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a field trip is in order. I, I don't think I'm going uh. to shoot somebody in a merry-go-round <laughs> just to see if it... But, but also, like, it's merry-go-rounds don't always move, right? Yeah. Like, the person could have been shot while the thing was stationary. Yeah, I guess, yeah. In any case, I'm like, yeah. so that's the reason why I'm not using that that particular mystery. But yeah, that's how I helped uh, get some mystery ideas. I didn't go through the entire book, like I said, I just kind of perused it. But yeah, what I'm doing is um, I'm trying to make one to two extra of each type of puzzles. So like, for example, um, I'm going to have six riddles in the game, so I'm actually going to write, I, I wrote out, like, here are seven different riddles I can do. That way, in case the testers hate a riddle, I can just swap it, swap it out. Oh, sure. And then put the hated riddle as a, as a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in the. Uh, extra I'm 100 sure that's yeah what they do in the, the Professor Layton games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's bonus content. <laughs> well, they a lot of them had the you know like free games, for, free puzzle, a puzzle every day for a year um, that you could download on the on the on the service. So I I think that's what they did. I don't know. I could be wrong. I also, yeah, so like I said, I, I, I sent messages to all my uh, testers um, asking them what type of puzzles they'd like best. I already explained that. I already said that, but I used that to decide how much of each type of puzzle that it, there was. So like, for example, 13% of them liked uh, riddles, so 13% of the puzzles in the game will be riddles. And that adds up to like, I don't know, like I said, seven riddles. Yeah, a very data-driven way to do it, sure. Yeah. Sounds very professional. Couldn't find any, couldn't think of any better way, I guess. So, so that's, that's what's new for me. That's going to be my project this week is to do the, um, 
the mysteries game. I'll try to write it, but I don't know. We'll see how long. Like I said, I hope it gets done, finished. It's probably going to be finished faster than the Cannot Prom Queen. Mm-hmm. I gave my testers like two weeks to go through Pathway 1 of the Kidnap Prom Queen, and I have no idea when I'm going to start writing Pathway 2. Alright. Um, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the Groupies bundle that we did uh, last month or month and a half ago. Excellent. What happened? Did people yeah. buy our games? They did! Uh... Do you, do you want the number? I mean, there was a there's a number uh, that was available publicly on the website, so I can tell you how much the the bundle made. Uh, oh, okay, it's available on their website. Yeah, it's it's right. It's public information, so I'm not like sharing something I'm not supposed to be sharing. But no, the the bundle. Uh, actually, let me let me back up and explain what the bundle is for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about. Yeah, I've um, never heard of groupies before. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's spelled with two e's, right? Yes. <laughs> Um, so we, yeah, we, uh, we did a, uh, we partnered with groupies.com on a bundle, um, that was, that was just our games, like our, like all, it was just a bundle of our rock studios games to celebrate our five year anniversary. Uh, it was literally every game we've ever released. You could buy them all for whatever, like four bucks or whatever. It was something like borderline embarrassingly low, (laughs) but it was really cool. Like. One of, one of the things you sort of learn really quickly as a game developer is as soon as you release a game on Steam or even just put up a post on Steam advertising your game, you're going to get emails like immediately from a ton of different bundle websites who want you to send them, you know, 100,000 keys for the, your game so they can include it in their next bundle with 10 other games and sell it all for two bucks. Um, so I, I, I mostly ignore those emails right because they're really bad deals most of the time like we have a we have a brand new game we're selling it for ten dollars and this site wants us to sell it for a fraction of two dollars as part of their bundle with nine other games like it's it's absurd uh but groupies came to us with this offer to do a whole bundle that was just for us just for our games um so i thought that was really cool yeah uh so anyway yeah we we did that the bundle was available for a month um, and we made uh, $2,329 off of it. Whoa! How so, much did it sell for? <laughs> so gr- $4, groupies, you said? I think it was 4 bucks. Uh, but groupies will be taking a cut, so that's 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 before our, they take their cut. But I still feel... Well, it's like 500 to 600 copies, though. That's pretty good. Yeah, I've, uh, let me, I'll check their website, actually, to see if they list the number... Of of specifically the number of sales, yeah, it was it was selling for four dollars and forty four cents minimum. <laughs> it looks like, uh, all right, it doesn't list the specific number of sales, but and oh, because people can people like pay more than just four forty four? Yes, yes, they could. Uh, for example, uh, this person Robert <laughs> again, this is all just right there on the website. Robert spent seventeen dollars and seventy six cents on the bundle. Nice, yeah. But anyway, it was it was really cool. It was a really positive experience for me because because like I said, we've been getting all of these what I saw as scam emails from websites trying to rip us off, and 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 groupies offered us uh, uh, a really good deal. <laughs> yeah, and and the other thing I liked it too about it too was you know it's it's weird to be selling all of our games for such a, an an extremely as I said embarrassingly small price, but I really like that we got a ton more copies of our games out there like a lot more people are going to be playing our games that otherwise might not have and i think this is especially helpful right now 
with a sequel to Cat President on the way, we're able to get Cat President on even more people's computers and hopefully make the demand for the sequel even greater. Is there a demand for the sequel outside of us? <laughs> Let's not worry about that question right now. <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh no, I haven't but been reading I, any comments. So <laughs> the, the more the more people who play the original, the more pe- the bigger the audience for the sequel. I would I would think. Yeah, um, I guess I guess we'll find out. People responded to the poll of uh, who will be the president in Cap President Two. There weren't any that's people true. commenting saying this is stupid. <laughs> so that's a good sign. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I I. Don't think we'll be doing a bundle like this again anytime soon. Um, so hopefully, if you wanted to get all of our games for four dollars and forty-four cents, you were able to jump on that before. Um. Oh, that reminds me of a, a question we had at the uh, in the previous podcast: why some of the hosted games were available on Steam and others weren't. Apparently, Steam right. has a limit how many games you could post there uh, per year. Obviously, we have not run up against this limit. Wow, that seems... I don't think we're ever going to hit that limit. <laughs> I don't think... I'll, what is the limit? Like, 30 games? <laughs> probably more than two. <laughs> we're probably okay. Yeah, we're probably safe. So, so I imagine what Choice of Games does is um, all their first-party games they release, and then with their third-party ones, they just do whatever sells the most. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so the other thing I, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to get your advice on something, actually. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm trying to figure out if I want to uh, show off a game at Retro Game Con again this year. Um, if you remember, I did that uh, a couple of years ago. I set up a little table where I was demonstrating the beard in the mirror for people, and I was selling downloadable Steam codes for that and for all of other other games. And it was a very positive experience. I made enough money to pay for the registration, which was very exciting. Um, so I'm I'm thinking about doing it again this year. I don't know what game to do, though. I feel like I shouldn't just do the Beard in the Mirror again, but I don't know, like, what in our library would work really well in a convention setting. Yeah, because Beard in the Mirror is the retro one, but... There is that, too, yeah. <laughs> None of our games really have quite the uh, retro feel that the Beard in the Mirror does. Um I mean, I've, I've, sh- I've shown uh, Awkward Steve at conventions before, and that worked out really well, but there's... I mean, I guess it's black and white, it's retro in that sense, but it doesn't really say retro game to me. Well, it's not a talkie, so... Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, our visual novels, I've I've never, you know, had a visual novel playing at a table at a convention and ask people to just sit there and, and read it. I don't, I don't know how that would work or not, or if that would work. So I was thinking Pizza Boy would be a good choice just because it's new, but it feels weird to just have someone sit at my table and read and click for 20 minutes yeah i don't know i've never been to a convention i don't know what type of games they usually have at conventions yeah don't they have like five minute demos which are specifically made for the conventions i do do. know with some of the uh i know like the gamecube zelda games they they have things which were specifically made for um conventions like e3 and such and those are some really well-polished areas of the game. It's like, wow, I wish the entire game was like that, but no, it, it's not. So <laughs> then, then it kind of made me sad, but yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's sort of what I've done. Like with Beard of the Mirror, you play from the very beginning of the game until the point where you can cross the stream. And then you just get a little message that says, thanks for playing. You can check this out on Steam. And with Awkward Steve, well, that's a short enough game. So I just had them be able to play the entirety of A Stranger Comes Calling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess so like the natural end point, if I were to do like Pizza Boy, it would be the first chapter, for example. Yeah. Um, I'm just... I can't decide if that's something that people would want to do. Then again, I would never have thought that people would want to play Awkward Steve in a convention setting, and that went well, so maybe I should just me, go for it. It took me 35 minutes to get to the end of Chapter 1 <laughs> in Pizza Delivered oh, no. Boy Who Saved the World. So <sighs> See, I maybe I, that's too long, yeah. How long did it take other people? Um, well, That sounds about right. I mean, maybe I could, I could like trim part of chapter one and and try to speed it up a bit maybe there's some scenes i could take out for the demo just so people can get like a feel for the game yeah take out the part where mm. he delivers the pizza to the guy with the dog maybe yeah i don't oh, think that's, that that's would crit- save much well, the, yeah it's critical to the storyline but it's not uh not critical to the intro i guess yeah i don't know it's it's a tough thing to figure out yeah definitely um the other thought i had would be like Maybe Internet Court would be interesting, like the first case of Internet Court, but I really like the idea of having a finished game that I can then demo and people can pay me to <laughs> to get the download code for it. And there's absolutely yes. no way Internet Court is going to be released by October or whatever, whenever this thing is. So I don't know. I guess I'll just keep thinking about it, unless you have any, any uh, advice to offer. Nope. <laughs> You should go to one of these conventions sometime. They're a lot of fun. That involves effort and trying and talking to other people. I don't know about uh, this. You're you're Mr. Social. You would love it. Oh, I'm not. That's just a character I play <laughs> online. <laughs> uh. It's funny. Everybody who knows me in real life is just shocked whenever they see my videos. It's like, what? That's you? But you're <laughs> smiling. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I I mean I was I was voted uh what class uh class shy in uh eighth grade in the eighth grade yearbook, so I, I feel ya. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'll I'll uh, I'll table that. I'm, I'll have to I I really want to do it because it's it's just a lot of fun and it was a good way to to sort of network and build an audience for uh for our what we're doing. So if I can think of a good angle, maybe maybe Pizza Boy is it maybe uh, an edited version of chapter one of Pizza Boy, something like that. Anyway, uh, do you want to answer a couple listener questions? Sure. Okay, this question comes to us from Alicia V. Parker, who wants to know, if you could get a famous gamer to try out one of your games, which game would you choose? I don't even know any famous gamers. <laughs> Gosh. So <laughs> I, would go with, I would go with Cap President. Um simply because that's our longest game, and, um, yeah. I was actually thinking Cat President, uh, as well, uh, because we have a sequel coming out, and I want to build a bigger audience for it. <laughs> yeah, that would be great, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, or, or, uh, The Beard in the Mirror, but that's just because I don't think that game got the love it really deserves. It was a good game. Didn't sell very many copies, but it was a good game. Don't worry, Dang people it. will find it and and buy it. We'll have the adventure game Renaissance Renaissance. Um. <laughs> oh. 
Okay, and this this question comes to us from Elizabeth Pfeffer. She wants to know, if you could visit any place in a game, where would it be and why? Like, if you, if you Michael, could transport yourself into the world of a video game, which one would you pick? Oh, gosh. I'd ideally be in one of those games where you don't die. That would be great. Um... <laughs> Michael, that was literally the answer that I wrote down. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no. The question is, do you have to play here. through the actual game, or do you just live in the game? Cause, like, for example, uh, you know, if I picked Seattle, there are plenty of games that take place in Seattle, right? It wouldn't be much different from moving to Seattle in the real life, I guess, except there's somebody who's on the other side of the town <laughs> trying to put, a, you know, a hot dog into a toaster <laughs> for an adventure game puzzle. <laughs> Except there's somebody trying to kill you. Like, that's the problem with so many, like, of the the most imaginative video game worlds, right? Like, I was thinking of, uh, and I know you haven't played this game, but but the world of, like, Rapture in Bioshock or, or the Wastelands of Fallout. Like, yeah, it would be cool. Like, no, actually, no. It, it just would not be cool to visit those places because I would be dead immediately. Like, my character would be corpse on the ground that you loot. Like, there's no way. Yeah, I yeah, like The Last Among <laughs> Us, too. It's like, the premise is there are three people in the world, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, my other answer was, uh, I would, <laughs> just the world of Rocket League, so then I could drive around one of the cars and play car soccer. That would be a lot of fun. I probably Mario wouldn't Kart. even do that, because I would, <laughs> I would throw up everywhere, let's be real. I wouldn't be able to handle it, but. You know what? I'll go with one of those money tap games and then make myself rich. And that way, when I come back to the real <laughs> yes. world, I'll have, you know, 20 AB dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how the games work. They go up to, to, to go thousands, millions, billions, sometimes trillions, and then it's A-A-A-B-A-C-A-D. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them give you the option of getting the real names, but nobody nobody bothers. <laughs> The question does not specify that you could bring stuff back from the video game world. Oh, see, it's another question is, it, yeah. would you be forced to live there for the rest of your life? Yeah. I think that's the decision Paul makes at the end of Beard in the Mirror. <laughs> Maybe it is. Oh my gosh, is Beard in the Mirror an actual video game? <laughs> oh no. Did he get transported into a video game or just to another no. fantasy world? Oh no. Oh, this is meta. Lizzo okay. absolutely would not have allowed that plot twist. She she is not a fan of the oh, it was actually a dream. It was actually a computer simulation. It was actually a movie that all the characters were watching. She doesn't she does not like that plot twist. She would not have let let us get away with it. Yeah, that's one of the terrible things about the Wizard of Oz, I think, is they tried to pull out that plot twist at the end. It was all just a dream. Uh-huh. I'm like, but it wasn't a dream in the book. And there are a ton of oh, sequels wait, really? where she goes back. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that either. I'm learning all kinds of stuff today. Well, that's sort of why, um, that sort of causes like a plot problem. Because, um, you know, in, in in the book, she gets sent to the land of Oz and she wants to go back home because she really liked it at home. Whereas in the movie, it's, yeah. the home is really kind of awful and she tries to run away from home. And then she spends the rest of the movie trying to get back to home. It's like, why do you want to go back to Kansas? It's terrible. Stay here in Oz. <laughs> Things are in color here. It's great. Oh, poor Kansas. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, no, it was Kansas in the book. 
but uh, it wasn't Kansas in the author's real life. He lived in another plain state, but changed it to Kansas because he didn't want getting people mad at him for saying Nebraska's awful <laughs> or wherever it is he lived. And we know this because in some of his other books, it is Nebraska, <laughs> basically. Anyway, uh, another another question I wanted to answer uh, from this is a a new a new writer in to the podcast that that was that was not good grammar a new a new question asker anyway this question comes from frothy ruminations new respondent new correspondent um frothy ruminations wants to know why a rock and i wanted to ask you michael do you know why the why it's called oa rock studios I have no idea. I know the logo is a pixel art version of a rock, so I assume it has something to do with the Beard and the Mirror, our pixel art game. And when I say our, I mean your <laughs> pixel art game <laughs> that I had nothing to do with the creation of. Oh. <laughs> Besides for giving some feedback. Was... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you tested it back when it was test game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I found like a, a bug yeah. in it, so that was great. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, if I accidentally hit uh, F10, I see the game's code. That, that was really helpful, I bet. <laughs> oh, no. That's right. Oh, man, I think that's even in an old Game Cola article where, where yeah, testgame.exe making the adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, good times. Okay, so there's, there's, a couple, uh, there's a couple of answers to this question. Um, the real answer... <laughs> Is that as as you surmised, it, it comes from uh, the Beard in the Mirror. It specifically comes from one of the 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 early versions of the game where we did attempt to have voice acting. I mean, it, it's it's not that exciting. There was just a line where you look at a rock, and uh, the main character goes, "Oh, a rock!" and it's a pretty blue color. <laughs> the stupid line was just like delivered so like the delivery on the line was just so weird and funny to to lizzo and i that it sort of stuck with us for a very long time even after we removed voice acting from the game we were still quoting that stupid line just totally out of context um so when we were trying to figure out like okay we need to have a company name we if we're going to release this game commercially like we have to be able to we we need a company name besides just paul and lizzo uh and you know the name (laughs) oa rock just popped into our head that said if i wanted to pretend that the name has more meaning than that uh i i could try to say that the name celebrates finding joy in the mundane um like i I feel like a lot of our games kind of do that like awkward steve is basically just a game about trying to talk to a stranger. Pizza Boy is a is a game about crummy retail work. My Nigerian Prince is a game that's just about answering email. I I I, I like the idea of exploring themes like that about trying to make stuff, uh, trying to make everyday stuff seem fun and exciting. Uh, because it is. I think just everyday life is is cool and exciting. Um, so you know, oh, a rock. It's it's expressing excitement about just going out in the woods and seeing a cool rock on the on the side there when you put it that way it makes me think it's like wow are all our games about having problems communicating with other people (laughs) that's part of the reason i know we mentioned that earlier with with me not wanting to go to the go to cons um (laughs) yeah i guess that theme goes into a lot of game a lot of the games yeah 
But that was something which surprised me a lot with uh, replaying um, Pizza Delivery Boy was the, um, you know, awkward talking to girls um, dialogue concept, which uh, happens a lot with uh, Doug and Finley, because Finley's the cute girl he talks to. But, wow. <laughs> that was me in high school, in college, yeah. <laughs> but oh, talking to people, oh, well, talking to cute girls, yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> Poor, poor high school Michael. And anyway, that's that's sort of what I've retconned uh, the meaning of Oarock Studios to be, but it's really just, it was a funny line in a game that, it wasn't even that funny of a line, it just made me and Lizzo laugh. So, anyway. It, it sounds like a real studio, I think. Yeah, why not? Um, you know what's really annoying about it, though? I have that exclamation mark in it. Facebook won't let me put that exclamation point in the group's name. It, I, it won't let me do it. It's just uh, it just says oh a rock, and I feel like that that is a completely different connotation without the excitement of the exclamation point. Do you get the comma? I, you do have the comma. The comma is also important. Without if there was no punctuation, it would it would be a much worse name. I think. All right. I I think uh, I think that about does it for this month's episode. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Paul M. Franzen, and Michael is at Argolfump, spelled exactly as it sounds. You can check out all of our games on Steam or itch.io, or just visit orock.com for the complete library. Our theme song is Dead Monster by March of the Danger Men. You can check them out on SoundCloud. Uh, and finally, if you have any questions about game development or our games specifically, we would love to hear them. Email them to podcast at orock.com. Is there anything you would like to add, Michael? I will maybe finish the scripts for Cat President 2 someday. Oh, oh I'm so excited. <laughs> I will maybe finish reading over plots, uh, pathways 5, 6, and 7 at some point. That'll be great, yeah. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. The, the hot butter beer is the best one. I don't care what anyone says. The hot butter beer is the best.